0: Hello, and welcome to the Minimalist Moms podcast. I'm Diane, I'm a mother of three living in Columbus, Ohio. I'm trying to make room in my life for what matters by getting rid of the clutter and living life with purpose. I hope you'll join me on the journey to think more and do with less. Join me today for a conversation with psychotherapist Heather Turgeon and Julie Wright. They're here to discuss the issue of teen sleep with the theme of minimalism and simplifying in mind. They share how to decrease our reliance on technology and social media due to its impact on our sleep and health, suggestions for evening and morning routines that fuel intentional living and much more. But before we get to the conversation, I wanted to encourage you to leave a rating and review if you haven't done so yet. Leaving a rating and review on iTunes is the best way you can help this podcast succeed and grow. Lastly, if you've recently finished or are about to finish my book, Minimalist Moms Living and Parenting with Simplicity, would you do me a huge favor and leave a review on Amazon? It helps other readers find the book and prompts the publisher to print more copies to keep it in stock. Thank you so much in advance for your time with this. I know reviewing anything can be quite tedious, so I really do appreciate you taking the time to do this for me. All right, as for the minimalist moment this week, it actually is another resource that was presented to me from Brittany on Instagram. So she messaged me earlier today and she said to share about Goodbye Gear. So Goodbye Gear is an online used baby and kid place. They do ship, but they have pickup locations in Denver, Houston, and Philadelphia. You can also sell used baby gear through them. She has personal experience and says that the website is amazing and has found the best deals through them. I'll be sure to put a link in the show notes for this, but it's spelled Good Buy, B-Y, Gear. And just from the website, it says, why should you shop Good Buy Gear? It's a curated experience, safety first, shop guilt free. So this site is looking quite wonderful to me. And I'm kind of wishing that I would have found it before having my first child. I'm all about shopping secondhand. And I'm also, as you all know, about selling what I can when I no longer need it. So this website looks really great. And thank you to Brittany for sharing it with me. Also, I do have to say that I love that these resources are coming from listeners like you. So if you have a resource or something that you think that other moms would benefit from, please feel free to reach out to me on Instagram or through email, and I'm happy to share with this community. All right, I think that's it for now. Let's get into this conversation with Heather and Julie. It was so informative in regards to not just sleep routines, but if you don't have a teenager yet, this was really helpful just for my own sleep habits and my sleep routine. So I can't wait for you to hear this conversation. Let's get to it. Heather, Julie, thank you so much for joining me today on the Minimalist Moms Podcast. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much. Absolutely. As I was saying before we jumped on this call, this is an important topic to me, just because I know how regenerative sleep can be, especially with having three little kids. I very recently have had a lack of sleep and I know how much it's affected me, especially as I'm getting older. So when looking at sleep, I've talked about it with other guests in regards to newborns, but I love that you both are taking the approach of turning it towards teenagers and how critical it is for them. And again, I know that, as I said, I get older, I feel like I need more sleep. So I'm sure that it's the same for teenagers. But you guys will tell us a lot more about that. Before we get there, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to the listeners? And do you, I always ask this question. Do you consider yourselves to be minimalist? <laughs> Julie,
1: you definitely are. I think you are. Oh, sure. Yeah, my son is uh, 25 and I moved back to New York City four years ago and I moved here with seven boxes. And I had a mattress delivered the day I arrived. And I had my internet scheduled for the day I arrived. And, you know, I got some Ikea furniture and I've never looked back. I've never missed a single thing. And I, I love it. And I, don't, I don't start to accrue more stuff. I'm thrilled with it. I'm sure you can totally relate. Yeah, it really changed my life. I think it's much harder to do when you have children and all the stuff that comes with children, but, um, Absolutely. but yeah, I'm definitely a minimalist. <laughs> and
2: Yeah. But, uh, yeah I, w- I would say I'm an aspiring minimalist. I, yeah. I don't, I think that something that helped me be a little minimalist is that my husband and I, and our two kids lived in a two bedroom apartment for many years when they were little with almost no storage and no basement and no back house and no, no storage. Like we had no storage, which I think is key for, for forcing minimalism. And, um, now we have more space. And so like goldfish, I feel like we've grown to accumulate more things, but (laughs) I'm aspiring. Absolutely.
0: And again, introduce yourselves and how, how did you guys meet? How did this
2: book come about? I'm curious. So Julie and I are, we're both psychotherapists. We met in Los Angeles many years ago, working with, uh, families with babies And we wrote the happy sleeper, which is a guide to helping parents with babies and little kids uh, solve kind of what you would call like a a polarizing debate over sleep, which tends to get people a lot of, you know, a lot of people confused about um, how to get good sleep, but also have a healthy attachment. So as psychotherapists and as sleep experts, we came together over that book many years ago. And then uh, we've been working with families for, for so many years with sleep. But what we started to notice in the research is that of all people of all ages, adolescents, teenagers are the most sleep deprived of any segment of the population. So more sleep deprived than any age group. And also at this moment in time. So in history, the most sleep deprived they've ever been. So it's an acute, acute problem. And uh, so we started you know, talking about that. And then we unfolded what we call the perfect storm of factors in the book. It's an exploration of all the things that come together because it's not one issue that causes adolescents to be sleep deprived. It's a, it's a perfect storm of issues. So we, in, in Generation Sleepless, which is our new book um, coming out in March, we explore the perfect storm and then we help you know basically solve and offer practical ways to Um, address each of those factors in the storm. So it's at once kind of a scientific exploration of sleep and also a super practical book. So
0: I want to, well, we'll first start off with, with talking about technology because I'm looking back to when I was a teenager and it was just starting to I think I had like a basic Nokia phone that I had. You could play that little pong game that the ball bounced back and forth. So it wasn't as nearly as exciting to keep me up at night, but I know that technology, I even look to some family members and I'm like, wow, you stay up so late because you have this phone that you're just addicted to. So how would you say that reliance on technology and, and social media um, is affecting our teens uh, sleep and overall health?
1: Yeah. It's, it's so important to talk about this because like Heather said, we're, we're talking in the book about a myriad of factors that really steal sleep from our teenagers. And one of them is academic overload. One of them is natural sleep phase delays. But when you add technology to that, their bedtime gets even later because technology is so addicting and it creates in them often a state of flow which can often be, we often think of a state of flow as a good thing if you're doing something that you want to do or something that's constructive. But if you're scrolling social media or you're playing a video game or you're going down that rabbit tube of YouTube videos, time goes by without you even noticing it. I mean, we all know that feeling of like looking up from our phones and realizing that we've just basically (laughs) wasted an hour. And I think for teenagers, You know, they've had long days and they've got way too much homework to begin with, and way too many activities, and way too much pressure to put all these activities on their college applications. And when they finally finish everything, it's almost like that revenge procrastination. I don't know if you've heard that term, but they're just like, I'm sorry, I need to have some downtime. I need to have some fun. They start, you know, on their phones. And they, I'm sure they're on their phones throughout the whole evening. It's not like they start on their phones, but now they're really into them. And they can delay bedtime up to two more hours by being on technology. So technology is just a huge threat to their sleep. It's a huge sleep stealer.
0: I'm wondering too, I know for me, if I'm already feeling anxious or just not in a good place, if I'm on my phone right before I go to bed and I see something on social media that might exacerbate that feeling in me. And then you, even if you put your phone away, if that little tip off started your brain thinking when you were supposed to be winding it
2: down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, that's really big for all of us. And that's why we have in the book, we describe what we call the sleep bubble, which is because we think about sleep as being, when we get into bed, we start to sleep. That's how we think about it. And when we get, when we get out of bed, sleep is done, but that's not the way sleep works sleep is a wind down chemistry that happens for hours before you start to actually sleep. And it takes a while to wear off and to kick, you know, the morning to kick in. So there's what we describe as like a bubble around sleep. And part of protecting that bubble is protecting your mental space so that you don't think about that one email or that one uh, picture that you saw on Instagram or that one notification that came in. It will, whether it's, exciting or interesting or makes you sad or makes you wonder about something or makes you feel like it, it makes your brain feel like it has to solve a, a, an emotional puzzle or or something like that so we have um people create a wind down time that is one to two hours is ideal but you know no teenager is going to turn off their phone two hours before bed but you know, I have a teenager and I, I try to get him to turn his phone notifications off and put it down and charge it about an hour before his bedtime. And that's a pretty good, if you can get your teenager to do that, that's pretty good.
0: Yeah. So, okay. I don't have a teenager yet. And to me, I'm just thinking, maybe you don't get to take the phone to your room. I don't necessarily want computers in there, but I also, my, my next question for you is how can we encourage healthy practices? And so I want my teenager to feel like they have control and that mommy isn't this overlord, but also I, I also realize that I have a responsibility to protect them. So it's like, what's that happy balance to where I can be more of an encourager, but also like, I don't want you staying up until 2am every night on your phone.
1: We love this question so much. I can't even tell you. We love to catch parents before their kids get to this age. And the basic way of thinking is not to fade your control too quickly. We see this commonly where parents of like 12 and 13 year olds have already abdicated and they just throw their hands up and feel like they just can't, they just don't know what to do. They don't know how to keep their kids off their phones. So it is a time when children and and tweens and teens are starting to need to feel more autonomy and to feel more a part of decision-making, but it's also something that you unfold gradually as they show more responsibility. So if you, we also write a lot in the book about family habits around screens and modeling. So if the whole family parks their screens in a, in a rooms other than the bedroom at a certain time every night, and, you know, they start to do wind down and bedtime routine together, some, some things together and some things separately, you're setting habits for your family. And this becomes just an automatic habit that I park my phone before I start these other steps that lead up to my bedtime. And I'm not gonna say it's easy because you will get pushed back as your teen gets older, but by the time your teen is old enough to be in that category that we talk about a lot, where the parents say to us, You know, well, I I go to bed before my teenager is even done with his homework. You know, what do I do? I mean, by the time you get to that age, Ideally, you've, you've already set these habits down. It's not going to be perfect, but you've set these habits and you, it's a longer conversation. We also talk a lot about your relationship and your communication with your team because the overall goal as they get older and you're starting to let go of control more and more is to build, help them build their own self-motivation. For, for getting better sleep. So it's, it's a complicated, but we def, the research shows that parents who hold on to those limits and those bedtimes and those rules around technology, I mean, I really feel like we all need them. We all need to set limits with ourselves around how much time we're going to spend. And if you say to your child, you know, mommy's going to return emails for the next 20 minutes, and then I'm going to come and do this. You set your timer, you do it, you turn your your computer off and you go do it. You're modeling for them that you're in control. The, the device isn't in control of you, you're in control. So there are lots and lots of things like that that you can do, not being on your phone when you're driving. I mean, there's so many things that, that you can think about, um, You know, not using phones during meals, lots of things. So that children, as they grow, start to realize that they don't need to have their phone with them all the time.
0: That makes me happy because I have young kids. And so it gives me hope to say we can create these habits now, but I do want to say for people listening that already have teenagers and have created bad habits, would you just suggest modeling is where it starts? I mean, if someone's really struggling, I think that you probably go obviously a lot deeper with this question in the book.
2: Yeah. And we do get this question around maybe age 15, 16 from parents where they say, I already feel like I've lost control over this, or my teenager is going to bed at midnight and waking up at six, and I they say they're not tired and they're fine. And what do I do? And it, it is really so it's so difficult. But the way to start, the way that we have parents start is to look at what the teen, like Julie was saying, it's their self-motivation that's really important. So what can you identify in your teen's life? What can how can yourself? about. The, the thing is sleep affects every realm of life. So for example, we know families where the teenager plays basketball and you know, the risk of injury is higher when you don't sleep well, not sleeping well is the number one risk of in, is the number one risk factor for injuries in, in student athletes or growth hormone is secreted during sleep. So do you want to get taller or <laughs> is uh, building muscle Important to you, or is it academic performance? Because that's definitely highly related to sleep. So, when you sleep well, your brain is like a sponge, when you don't sleep well, your brain is like a sieve. So, information just doesn't stick. And so, what it you know, your team cares about that's your in because that's the way to start the conversation. I want to talk
0: about you have five habits of happy sleepers and you don't have to go through all of them. I want people to get your book and, and read through that, but what are some tips that you have that are just quick tips that we can help again, encourage, we're trying not to be so domineering, but how can we encourage our kids to have some better habits around going to bed? And maybe even if the morning time makes a difference too.
1: Yeah, there's so much. You're right. There's so much to talk about. But once you get in the habit of putting these things into place, they can really make a big difference. So we talk about things like timing. This is a tough one for teenagers, but our internal clocks, our circadian rhythms, really like regularity. So the closer we can get teenagers to a regular bedtime and a regular wake up time, the better their sleep is gonna be, the easier it's gonna be for them to fall asleep and the better quality of sleep they'll have. We talk a lot about how that typically shifts quite dramatically on the weekend and how shifting too far on the weekend is really hard on the body and trying to help them sort of minimize that shift. We, we're, we're realists, we're not expecting them to go to bed at you know 10.30 on the weekend, but we're trying to help them find that sort of happy balance So timing is one thing, the routines, like Heather mentioned, the wind down, a huge aspect of the wind down time is that you're gradually decreasing the light in the household so that you're sort of simulating sunset. And when you do that, your body knows to release the sleepiness hormones like melatonin, serotonin, start to get your body ready for sleep. When you combine that with a regular bedtime, it's like a double whammy and it makes it easier to fall asleep. And this is true for all of us, of course. And the bedtime routine, exactly like you said, includes things that are not too stimulating or not too alerting or not too thought-provoking or disturbing or distressing, but things that that are engaging enough to, to look forward to. So some people like to read, some people like to journal, some people like to listen to music, so there's so many things. And then we talk about the, the room environment. We know that in pandemic days, teens' rooms have sort of become their world. And that's, that can be pro- a problem for sleep if you're doing everything in the same room where you sleep, especially if you're sitting in your bed and talking to your friends and doing your homework. And now, now it's supposed to be the place that you sleep. And that makes it harder for our brains to turn off and associate that place with sleep. So we have ideas for trying to shift, even if it's just to another corner of the room, the, the homework space or the hangout space, maybe a beanbag chair for hanging out, maybe a desk for homework, so that when they do get into their bed, they can kind of put all that to bed too, and dim their lights. And you know, we talk about even so far as having like sheets and bed linen that, that makes you feel cozy and that you really look forward to getting into. So there are lots of things that you can do, lots of new habits that you can put into place. And most of them are really pleasurable. Just because we turn away from technology and try to go to bed at a regular time, it doesn't have to be something where it feels like a chore. I, I did a consult with a mom of a, it's a young, like a toddler yesterday, and, but this mom has worked with us from the beginning. And we talk a lot about sleep being something we get to do. And she told me that her toddler now after lunch turned to her mom yesterday and said, nap time. <laughs> <laughs> which, you know, most parents would think that a child would never ask for that time, but we want teenagers to feel that same way we want them to look forward mm-hmm. to climbing into their beds and, and feeling like this is their little sanctuary.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I did want to mention one more thing before we wrap things up. I'm wondering if I think about teenagers and I think about how some of my friends' kids sleep till 11 plus um, in the day. And so I'm wondering if we didn't allow them to sleep that late. It's kind of, I mean, I, it's kind of like with my son, if I let him nap way too long, he's not going to want to go to bed at seven 30. We're getting too much sleep. So what do you think about that?
2: Yeah. So, so high school start times, first of all, are way too early, but let's just assume the reality for now is that the average high school is, you know, starting around seven 45 and or eight o'clock and a teenager has to be awake by six 30 in the morning. Um, that wake up time, we usually recommend that you don't go off that wake up time by more than one or two hours on the weekend because it causes what we, what is, um, called social jet lag in the body. So it causes all these effects like, like jet lag does where there's physical symptoms. You don't feel good, but your brain is basically out of sync with the, the actual clock. And it also leads to sleep deprivation for the week, because if you get used to sleeping in until 11 o'clock in the morning, then on Sunday night, you try to go to bed. You definitely can't go to bed. You feel like you have insomnia, but that's because you've gone off your weekday clocks So, so wildly. So it causes social jet lag, but it also causes weekday sleep deprivation. So that would be our rule of thumb. It really depends on the teen but the rule of thumb is about one to two hours within their normal wake up time on the weekend. Cool. Thanks for answering that. I always try and ask questions from a point
0: of someone that's all along the mothering spectrum. So great. Well, where can listeners find
1: you? Buy a copy of your new book. So our website is called The Happy Sleeper, thehappysleeper.com. And our Instagram is the same at The Happy Sleeper. And that's where they can learn about all our books and our new book. And look out for posts coming up as as the book publishes on on March 29th. It's available on Amazon now for pre-order. So if you just go to Amazon or, you know, any of your favorite booksellers and look for Generation Sleepless. Perfect. Well,
0: I always ask two questions to my guests at the end of the episode. So I will let you guys decide. I ask, what is a beneficial resource that you'd like to share with the listeners? And then what is something that you
2: can't stop talking about? So you're both welcome to answer both, or you can take one. I can talk about, I I think something that Julie and I can't stop talking about is like the room environment and how to make things dark. We were kind of slightly obsessed with the quality of light and different like night lights and things that don't suppress the release of melatonin. Uh So I would say like sleep friendly lighting (laughs) is something that I love to talk about. And I love to think about different wavelengths and intensity of light. That's kind of a nerdy thing to say, I guess, but- (laughs) that's what I think about.
0: No. So a good, I've seen the lights here in Columbus. People get really bad seasonal depression, which I'm sure they do in New York. Not so much. I don't know in California, but anyways, my friends have these lights that work with your rhythms as you were talking about that. It starts to be, I mean, I already described it. So yeah, I've, I've seen those that are really helpful for people. Yeah.
2: Yep. They are really helpful.
0: Cool. All right. What do you have to say about
1: a beneficial resource, Julie? you know, we didn't really have time to talk about this today. But one of the things we really emphasize in the book is how much sleep is foundational to teens mental health. Mm. And what Heather and I always say is that it's the place to start. Because even if you have other resources, if if your teen is sleep deprived, they won't be able to access them very well. So we absolutely believe that sleep is the place to start if you're you know, teen is having mental health issues, but we also are both psychotherapists and we're big believers in therapy. And I would just say, don't ever hesitate to access that kind of support Mm -hmm. for your teen, along with a healthy sleep routine.
0: Absolutely. Well, this was a wonderful conversation. I hope it encourages parents that it's not too late, whether their kids are teenagers or just to start better habits for themselves. Even less, we can apply this to ourselves as well. So I appreciate you both coming on today. Yeah, it was fun.
1: Thank you so much. It was great.
0: What did you think of the episode? I invite you to keep the conversation going at minimalistmomspodcast.com. There you'll find links to the Instagram account, Facebook page, and where you can find me all around the web. Thank you for joining up on this journey. I wish you a lovely week as you think more and do with less.